Hello and welcome to Radio Aluna Theater's studio series. I am Beatriz Pisano, the artistic director of Aluna Theater, and I am thrilled to introduce you to these experiments in audio storytelling from some of the most exciting theater artists from our trans-American community in Canada. This podcast can also be heard in Spanish. You are about to hear Reina, a new work in process created and performed by Augusto Bitter with White Josephine. Close your eyes. Darkness. A woman appears. Well, I don't know. Let's say it's a woman. Reina. She's identical to the one drawn on a bag of harina pan. A red polka dot handkerchief tying her hair up and a pair of red hoops. Flour pours out of one of her ears. A waterfall of corn falls falls, the water, the flower, angel falls, whispers secrets in her ear. A banana appears, hung up from the sky with thick twine. A narrow and warm hallway illuminates the path between reina and the ripe fruit, sweet and erect. Reina approaches it. Picking up her skirt, she directs herself towards the fruit like a cat, stalking. Her legs are thick and hairy, her nails painted bright red. Strong, doubtful but committed, Reina picks up the pace to the beat of the drum. She picks up the pace, she picks up the hunger. Angel Falls didn't say it all. And she advances, dignified, to satisfy her hunger. Misas! <clears throat> hunger speaks from her gut, immobilizing her body. All of life twisting in her stomach, and she carries on, taking her body, touching her tits, opening her legs, sand, flower, purifies, transforms. Transforms and repeats and repeats again. It goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, takes a lap around life, you can see her ribs. She gets in line. She's elbowed in the back and she falls. <clears throat> As she rises, she studies, makes arepas, sips soup, makes arepas, puts on makeup. Studies, makes arepas, sips soup, puts on makeup. There she goes. Her jaw flies away, flung far away from her body. Her jaw boomerangs around the world and returns, slapping Reina into reality. Her and her jaw are dislocated. Vamos a 
dances forward flirtatiously replacing her jaw she finds her bowl cooking gives her life and she wakes up her body arepas water table life arepas reina alive one go to a table and put water in a large bowl or container it can be made of anything but the glass ones are pretty to the water, add a cascade of harina pan and start kneading. There should be no lumps. Two, form two balls of dough and flatten them over your exposed nipples. Reina loves going to church. It's the only place she can truly deeply sleep. She tosses and turns in the pew, dreaming of hairy women and men shaped like guitars. Three, remove the arepitas from your nipples, return the dough into balls, and place them aside. In one lifetime, Reina works for a travel agency, but she's never been on a plane. She hates planes. She hates being far away from her land, her home. She likes the dust, the gnarled trees with the trunks painted white, and the sun. El calorcito a fuego lento a charming, slow, delicious rhythm that lands somewhere between island and desert. Flavors develop deeper a fuego lento. They reduce, concentrate, and thicken. Reina has thickened over a millennia, but she's still bubbling. Four, form a nose with more dough and set it aside as well. Also give shape to a mouth. Two meaty lips made of dough. Her land looks like her, a peninsula, a big-ass head with an elegant thin neck decorated by sand dunes. Her breath is a yummy breeze that covers the road with sand, not letting anyone pass through. Her legs are strong, her thighs thick, her calves plump, and her feet swollen. Her Achilles aches. Five, put everything together. Create a face with the balls, the eyes, the nose, and the lips. Six, shape a fetus with the remaining dough. It should look like a curled up seashell. In one lifetime, Reina's pregnant for her entire reproductive life. And in another, she cooks until she can't stand any longer or until the food runs out, whichever one comes first. But there is always something sweet at Casa de Reina. Seven, 
put the fetus seashell gently on the table. Look at it, dance for it, and resist the weight that accumulates on this bridge called your back. The stomach is so close to the womb, it's easy to get confused. Hunger attacks Reina once again. The hallway between Reina and the banana glows once more. She stalks the fruit slowly, picking up her skirt again, each step closer. Angel Falls didn't say it all. This time she advances strongly, a determined turtle, fierce, her eyes never veering from the curved yellow finish line. Reina reaches the banana and desperately takes it off the twine. She peels the banana, controlled. She opens her cave of teeth to receive it, the first of her life, the last of her fate, the only one for her hunger. But no. Dignity first. Apologies. Reina eats like a lady, bit by bit, with decency breaking off pieces with her fingers and shyly covering her mouth when she chews. But who can do all that when you're hungry? Reina timidly rushes to finish the banana, the fountain of youth, love, salvation, like someone who eats in secret. She hangs the empty peel on the twine again. Everything in its place. That. Flaccid peel, used, rocking itself from the sky. Go figure, that drooping yellow curve of the skin looks like a smile, like the satisfied ruby-lipped one curling up on Reina's face. She mimics the curve, making her body into the shape of a sea. She rocks herself in a rocking chair and settles in. She waves goodbye with her hand up high. Her hand, now a hook, pulls her by her cheek, pulls her by her ass, pulls her by her tongue in aggressive curves. She returns to the rocking chair. She breathes and waves goodbye again with her hand. She notices the ripe mangoes above her head, hanging from a shadowy branch. She cuts down a mango and it bounces, and so does Reina, old friends bouncing like a little girl from puddle to puddle. The Caribbean waves overtake her skirt, rippling her with glee. Reina sticks a knife she used for arroz con pollo into a glass of Coca-Cola, stirring it, revolutionizing it, cooling it. 
She kisses herself, kisses her shoulders, wrists, fingers. She gets lost in the cyclone of kisses, spinning round and round until the last kiss in the crook of her elbow. She holds on to it. And she's still hungry. She strikes a match. The flame turns into a serpent that slithers down her front. The snake bites her stomach, or her womb, hard to tell. She rips it out of her body. Reina looks at the bloodied mouth of the serpent, and she realizes it's her own hand. She compares it with her other clean hand. She slowly weaves the fingers together. She tries to untangle her braided fingers, but she can't. Light shoots out of her exposed palms like the Sagrado Corazón de... Ya tú sabes. The light bowls her over and she falls, whipping herself. Her fault. Her fault. Her most grievous fault. The last whip turns her around and all of her lives run her over like a gust of sand. She falls straight back onto the ocean's shore. She slowly takes off her red polka dot handkerchief and the brown pantyhose cap. She dips and washes her long black hair in the water. Upside down, she looks at the underwater world while she washes her hair. She dries it with her skirt as if it were a towel. Reina has many lovers. Her philosophy is basically, let's all fuck. Men, women, neither, both. Animals, spirits, plants, the Caribbean ocean, platano frito, whatever. Anyone and everything that knows how to savor the sunlight buried under her skin. Lovers that linger in her body, and lovers that make her melt, and lovers that hold her up like fondue, stir her, tend to her, and continue to dip themselves into her. Lovers who would be able to tell her what she tastes like. In all of her lives, her lovers recognize Reina's flavor in a heartbeat. Except one, Jesus. Ese sinvergüenza. Human father of at least 12 of Reina's human children, she lost count, Jesus spoke in many tongues, but his tongue didn't know how to eat her. He didn't know whether to eat her with his hands or cut her with a knife or scoop her up with a spoon. She never asked him if he liked the temperature, like Goldilocks. Did he have to blow her to cool her down? Did his tongue stick to her skin? Did she give him too much sugar? Maybe Reina was just bitter, not a flavor everyone likes. It's right along the back of the tongue. He'd have to reach his tongue way back there to taste her. And he did. He tasted all of her. He didn't know how to eat her, but he tried. Reina constantly asked herself, Did he need more? Did I give him itis? Maybe I'm like a tiramisu or a marquesa. You need to leave me in the fridge for days. The longer you wait, the better I taste. And you can eat me right from the Tupperware with a spoon. I'm irresistible. I'm an ancient recipe that's lost its origin. But she burnt his tongue too many times. He bit the inside of his cheek when he chewed on her. She avoided his molars, dodged his incisors, hung on to his uvula. 
She swung back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. She could see down his esophagus. She wondered if she could jump into that darkness, but the gap in his teeth was an open window. She swung back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, deciding whether to jump through and escape. He spat her out before she could try. He took a napkin and guided her bolus out of his mouth, wrapped her up so no one saw her disfigurement, and tucked her under his plate. He liked the taste after all, but the texture was off. Reina, with her hair clean and dry, se hace la media, wrapping her hair under the pantyhose and tying it off with the handkerchief. Las invoco, diosas mías. Ustedes indias, sumergidas en mi carne. Persisten mudas en sus cuevas. Ustedes que ahora como yo. Están en desgracia. Anna Olson, Aina Garten, Rachel Ray and Paula Dean, La Negra Ramonita Nela y la Señora Leida. Anna Olson, Aina Garten, Rachel Ray and Paula Dean, La Negra Ramonita Nela y la Señora Leida. Las invoco, diosas mías, sumergidas en mi carne. Las invoco, diosas mías, sumergidas en mi carne. Las invoco diosas mías, sumergidas en mi carne. Las invoco diosas mías, sumergidas en mi carne. Reina offers you the red bow on the back of her skirt. Go ahead, help her, God. Untie her skirt for her and she'll wink at you. Gracias. She ties the bow behind her neck, transforming the skirt into a party dress. She looks chesty and zesty. Las invoco diosas mías. Sumergidas en mi carne, las invoco diosas mías, sumergidas en mi carne, las invoco diosas mías, sumergidas en mi carne, las invoco diosas mías, sumergidas en mi carne. Reina offers her hand to a little boy. He gets up and they dance in the center of a circle of empty chairs. Reina tries to hug him, but he disappears. It's time. Eight, take the masa face and the masa fetus and put them back together in the container. Knead a bit, adding a little water to soften the dough and dump it out into a little white mountain on the table. Decorate it however you want, but decorate it. Put a candle on it and you'll have a birthday cake fit for a queen. Nine, turn off the lights and approach the table. If you smoke or you have a lighter, Give it to me, please, so I can turn on the candle. 10. We sing together, illuminated by the flame. Ay, que noche tan preciosa. 
noche de tu día todos llenos de alegría en esta fecha tus más íntimos amigos y enemigos esta noche te acompañan tomando caña te saludan y desean tremenda pea Yo por mi parte deseo, lleno de luz este día, todos llenos de alegría, en esta fecha natal, fatal, 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 y canta luna plateada, brille su luz para ti, para mí, ruego a Dios porque pases, la noche haciendo pipí con los pañales que te di, que los compré en el San Mil y me costaron 30 mil con mi tarjeta mercantil. ¡Bien! Reina blows out the candle and stands. She puts her erect hand like a knife on the cake. She closes her eyes, breathes in a wish, and she cuts it. Open your eyes. I hope you have enjoyed this piece as much as I have. And to complete this auditory experience, here's Augusto reflecting on his creative process. Hi, my name is Augusto Viter. I am an actor, a dancer, a writer, facilitator, artistic producer um, based in Toronto, originally from Venezuela. Um, and I wrote this piece, uh, Reina, with my collaborator, Y. Josephine, musician, friend, amazing human being. Um, and the piece began um, with a residency at um, Theatre Pesmerai and Hub 14, where I was um, investigating the relationship between cooking and making theater, or the relationship between a theater and a kitchen. And it was a research experimentation residency um, that I worked for the first time with Y. Josephine, and I found out she's from my same hometown in Venezuela, Punto Fijo which was revolutionary, mind-blowing. Um, in the 15 years that I've lived in Canada, there, I, I haven't, as an adult, independently, I haven't met someone um, from my hometown who also isn't involved in the oil industry, like my parents and all of their friends. So that was fascinating. And I also worked with um, Liz Peterson, um, whose work I admire and whose mind I admire. And I was right, she's awesome. <laughs> At around the same time, I decided to, uh, for Halloween that year, decided to dress up like the woman on the bag of Arina Pang. And I was dating this uh, makeup artist at the time, Yoni. Hope you're well, wherever you're at. I miss you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 
And I noticed when I got into this uh, drag for this 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 iteration of Reina um, that I was I started getting a lot of ideas and this voice in my head and um, images and um, this kind of spirit overtook me for this evening, which is the beauty of costume and Halloween and drag. Um, and it's definitely moved beyond that. It's not um, as draggy as that. Um, but the piece continued through um, a residency at Aluna, which uh, started last year, last November. So it's been through a whole year. And also through the RBC Emerging Creators residency at Canadian Stage, where we got to um, present the piece um, in Toronto right before the pandemic happened. Um, so I'm going to answer some questions about the piece to give you some context and um, some fun facts about the process so far. Um, so the first artistic question, interview question, is um, what is the artistic question you are investigating in the piece? I think uh, the biggest overarching question in this piece is who is this woman? This woman who has literally fed me, grown up with me, followed me from Venezuela to Canada to... I've traveled and I've taken a napang in my suitcase to make it wherever I am. Because it's so easy. All you have to do is add water. Um, so she's been a companion and a mother and a sister and a friend and a girlfriend and a lover and a chef and everything. Um, so I'm so... Um, I think she's gorgeous, and I think I'm so uh, close to her, like I think so many um, Venezuelan people are, and I wanted to explore who that is. Um, a big question I also have, which is rooted in that first residency I had, is how to recreate um, the atmosphere of sharing a meal with someone, which is so intimate and immediate, um, and we've tried to approximate that in the live version by working in the round, working in an oval of chairs so everybody is together in this circular community and a lot of the choreography, the poems, the writing is inspired by or has to do with circles and ovals and curves, waves, dunes, things like that. Um, and yeah, as I mentioned, the choreography, a lot of this is how to um, express these ideas with my body and movement um, uh, because I find that my best work, my most personal, my most vulnerable work comes from my body um, and I want to try to move away from the dominance of text in North America or specifically in Toronto. Um, yeah, so next question is what work are you continuing with Reina? Is there a theme evolving in your work? Yes, there is, honey. Um, my work uh, usually revolves uh, around themes of queerness and race in relation to my cultural and personal memory. Um, I'm, I've always been focused on my body, at least the, the training that I've pursued has been very distinctly physical theater on purpose. Um, and that is because although I work bilingually in English and Spanish and I'm working towards um, 
working more in Spanish for sure. I'm also still so interested in working with my body and dance and movement because it is a way to decolonize my practice and my work. It's an attempt to do that. If there are um, parts of my body, my spirit, my ancestry that are not Western or colonial, then they must be stuck somewhere in there. And um, I think the only way to access that and express that is through the body itself. And the body knows a lot of stuff that the mind doesn't necessarily. Um, And that's super interesting to me. And that is um, a universal language as well. It can be um, people from any language and any culture will respond to movement because that's how we all started. We moved before we learned how to speak. And I think um, that's a big part of this. Um, Yeah. Uh, uh, What has been your experience translating this piece into Spanish and English? Big question. Um, Why and I primarily work in um, Spanish. Um, And from the get-go, I wanted to take this piece to Latin America. Um, Another thing that's evolving in my work is that um, I'm I'm, uh, constantly trying to respond or make a commentary on or um, help in some way, create some sort of activism around the human rights emergency in Venezuela. Um, and this piece particularly deals with um, malnutrition and hunger and that human cost of what's happening. And it's a very complex situation, so I'm trying to focus on this one factor at this time with this piece. Um, but either way, uh, I've wanted to take this piece to Latin America. I mean, to Venezuela would be amazing, of course, when the opportunity presents itself, but to um any other spanish-speaking country um because i think all the music is in spanish and the the soul of the piece the soul i think of this woman of reina um is is steeped in that land in punto fijo in paraguana and that land is obviously not (laughs) not in spanish that's not that's the colonial language that was imposed onto that land and on those peoples. But it's the language, it's the sound that I remember when I lived on that land. So it's my entry point. It's my access point to then discover something beyond that. And I lived there for the first three years or so of my life. So the memories um, and the uh, personal associations and connections that I'm making to this work, particularly because why is speaking to me and with me in this dialect from this specific town and region, um, it's activating uh, this very young uh, part of my memory. It's very kind of juvenile, not in a bad way, youthful, playful, intuitive, joyful, pleasurable, um, atmosphere and era of my life um, and it's interesting trying to translate it into English which I learned later a little later after that in my life um, and English is such an economic language it's such a business language Spanish is so floral and poetic in and of itself like without trying to be poetic it's already poetic and 
yeah, floral. It's just a little prettier. It, it, it um, I've always, especially with this piece, I, I, I've wondered how Spanish is feminine compared to English. There's something, there's a perfume about it that English doesn't necessarily hold in the same way. So, uh, and that is such a large part of the piece is such a celebration and invocation of my own personal femininity that I hold in my body. So it's interesting to translate that into English, which is, you know, I'm still feminine in any language. Um, so uh, it's it's been fascinating. Um, the only piece that was originally written in English is the Jesus poem, which you'll hear later. Um, and ironically, now that I'm thinking about it, I wrote that piece right around the time I broke up with that makeup artist boyfriend. So it is actually connected in some way. Um, but yeah. And the last question would be, as a writer, how are your characters talking back to you or surprising you? What question would Reina ask? Um, I love this question. I love thinking about Reina talking to me because she does. Um, this kind of persistent question that she's been asking recently is what underwear she would wear. Um, so I've spent a lot of time on some lingerie websites recently, which I am not complaining about. And whatever Reina won't wear, I am sure I will wear myself. So it's been a lovely question to try and answer. Um, but I think it also points to what does she look like in solitude? Um, there's something very desolate and ghost towny and slow and slow about Punto Fijo, about that land itself. Um, so I'm wondering who is she when she's not this glamorous, beautiful makeup being? What does she look like? How does she move? What does she do? And think bigger, how do I reconcile that glam reina with the real life modest catholic hardworking women that this that raised me that this piece um is inspired by and in many ways is about the reinas of my life thank you for listening to radio aluna theaters studio series reina's development has been supported by cristina castrillo and bruna gusberti at Teatro delle Radici, Claren Gross, Beaker and Performing Arts, Canadian Stage, and Aluna Theatre. This recording was produced by Aluna Theatre at our studio in Toronto. Reina was written, performed, and directed by Augusto Bitter. Music written and performed by Y. Josephine. Sound engineer, Steph Raposo. Editing and sound design by Miquelon Rodriguez, assisted by Lucia Linares. Head of Production, Monica Garrido. Script Coordination, Camila Diaz Varela. Radio Luna Theatre is produced by Aluna Theatre with support from the Toronto Arts Council, the Ontario Arts Council, the Canada Council for the Arts, the Department of Canadian Heritage, the Medical Foundation, and TD Bank. All Radio Luna Theatre episodes are in English, Spanish, or Spanglish. New episodes are released on Wednesdays. Follow and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Aluna Theatre is Beatriz Pisano and Trevor Chonos with Sue Ballant. For more information about Aluna Theatre, visit us at alunatheatre.ca, 
Follow us at Aluna Theater on Twitter or Instagram or like us on Facebook. Join us December 16th for a new installment of the studio series, The Cunning Linguist, by playwright, actor, and comedian Monica Garrido. Muchas gracias y hasta pronto.